0: Welcome to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Sharon has a passion for scripture that will motivate and challenge you to immerse yourself in God's Word and apply His message to your everyday life. Visit SeekingTruth.net to learn more about bringing Seeking Truth to your parish or to become an online learner. Today, it's part one of the book of Genesis, chapters 12 through 14. And now, Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran hi everybody welcome to our discussion of genesis chapter 12 13 and 14. we're going to talk about the origin of the priesthood in sacred scripture we didn't need a priesthood after the before the fall we just needed one after the fall okay when hum, when humanity is in full communion with god like in eden a priesthood was not needed because they were in full communion full union with god and just as marriage is not needed in heaven priesthood is not needed in heaven, because we'll be with Jesus in the beatific vision. But Jesus himself said, you won't need marriage. They were trying to uh, trick him with the seven brothers and their wives. And Jesus said, you're deceived because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage. Marriage won't be needed in heaven. You'll be in full communion with God. So God is a teacher. Jesus is the best teacher. God teaches, as we learned last time, he has a certain divine pedagogy. He teaches by deeds and words that are intrinsically bound up in each other over time, time, time. In stages, he reveals his plan to humanity. The priesthood is one of those things he'll reveal to us. Priesthood will offer blood sacrifice for atonement for sin. And the priesthood will mediate between a holy God and sinful humanity. Christ himself, it says in Hebrews 5, Christ did not glorify himself. In becoming high priest, but the one who glorified him was God, who said to him, you are my son. Today I have fathered you. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Jesus Christ. Christ has finished the work of salvation once for all with his final blood sacrifice. And the Catholic priesthood is the priesthood of the person of Jesus Christ in persona Christi in the Latin. Jesus's priesthood is in the order of Melchizedek. So too, the Catholic priesthood in Christ, in persona Christi, is in the order of Melchizedek. We don't need any more blood sacrifices. The father has fully accepted the precious blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ as a perfect offering fully accepted by the Father. But we never, ever, ever want to forget that precious blood sacrifice. And more than that, we actually want to enter into it. Every time a priest kisses or venerates the altar, we'll see Abraham set up four altars in Genesis. Catholics have altars. The priest comes in, he venerates, he kisses the altar. He does that to honor the altar of sacrifice, which represents Christ's sacrifice, his perfect sacrifice, where the miracle of the Eucharist, the Thanksgiving offering, will occur. I love this altar because you're not going to forget the sacrifice of Christ, the altar of sacrifice. We are taken into that eternal, ongoing, infinite sacrifice of Christ's precious blood once for all. The sacrifice of bread and wine offered by Melchizedek in Genesis 14 is the prototype of Christ. We have type and antitype. Melchizedek is the type. Christ is the antitype, which is far greater than the type. It also refers prophetically not only to the Last Supper, but also to the everlasting repetition in the commemoration of the sacrifice of the cross is passion, dying, death, resurrection. But the sacrifice of the mass indicates only one side of the priesthood. The other side is revealed in the power of forgiving sin, for the exercise of which the priesthood is just as necessary as it is for the power of consecrating and sacrificing. So the solution was the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the perfect offering given to the Father. It's, it, that's the solution, but we still have the problem. And what's the problem? Sin. We're still doing it. Jesus gave his priests the general power to bind and loose. He did that in Matthew 16 as well as Matthew 18. The power to remit or retain sin, the risen Jesus solemnly bestowed that on the church in John 20:21. 20, and the Catholic priesthood has the indisputable right to trace its origin to the divine founder of the church who is the risen Jesus Christ. It's Jesus's priesthood in the order of Melchizedek, and it is still very necessary for us. The priesthood isn't just something Catholics made up, and there's not just a little verse that we can show you. We got to trace the priesthood throughout the entire canon of sacred scripture. God thought of this design before the beginning of time. It's plan A all along, and he had Moses record it by the power of the Holy Spirit working through Moses. He recorded it way back in Genesis 14. It was always in his mind's eye. So let's trace the origin of the priesthood in the covenants of God. The first one last week, we talked about Adam and Eve, the marriage covenant between two people. After the fall, they need a priesthood. They've been banished from God. They're not in full communion with him anymore, and they want to make atonement for sin. They want to get right with God again. Atonement means at one They want to be one with God again. They've been estranged from God. They teach their sons how to do it. Cain and Abel know how to offer sacrifice to God. They're the sons of Adam and priests. They, and, and the next covenant, Noah, it's a family covenant, eight people in all. First thing he does when he gets off the ark is offer sacrifice. Third one, Abram. Tonight, it's a tribe, uh, the Hebrews, a tribe of people. Abram will build altars. Abram will offer sacrifice. He's claiming this land, the boundaries of this land for God. He'll worship God. He'll offer sacrifice. He builds an altar at Shechem. He builds an altar at Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. He builds an altar at the Oaks of Mamre at Hebron. He will build a fourth altar in the land of Moriah on one of the mountains that the Lord will tell him. It's Calvary. And that'll be his fourth and final altar in Genesis. But the Lord stops him from that Sacrifice, because instead of an animal, God had told him to offer his only son. His, his, his and, and we know he has two sons, but God said, "Your only son, Isaac, the son of promise." And right before Abraham was was had grown and grown and grown in his faith, and right before God stops him, because God, he passed the test with flying colors, and God says, "No, no, no." But God will not relent. He will sacrifice his only son for us. So this is all predicted way back in Genesis, and the blood of his son will be the final atonement for sin for all time. Moses, in the covenant of the nation, Moses also will build altars. They will offer burnt offerings and sacrifice young bulls and peace offerings to the Lord. He'll take blood and splash it on the people and splash it on the altar. He'll read them the covenant. The people will agree all that the Lord has said we will do. I'll talk more about Moses because Moses' priesthood is a Levitical priesthood and it scans a lot of the Old Testament. The next one, David, it's a kingdom, a kingdom. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, more people. God will build a kingdom and kingdoms need kings the first king saul gets chosen by men it's not a good choice the second king is chosen by god king david will be chosen by god and in his youth he is not passive he trusts the lord he goes after goliath the greatest philistine giant he often would pray and get musical prayer from the Lord. He'd play his harp and and the Lord would pour psalms through him, prayers. The Lord called David a man after his own heart. And in one of the psalms he gave him, the Lord assured him victory for God's priest king. Now, wait a minute. He's just a king, but God says you're going to be a priest king. And he said to David, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion, your mighty scepter rule in the midst of your foes. Your people will offer themselves freely on that day when you lead them to the host upon your holy mountain from the womb of the morning, like dew, your youth will come to you. The Lord has sworn David and he will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of David writes that psalm, Psalm 110. The Lord tells him he is a priest forever. Wait a minute, I thought I'm a king, and you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Wait a minute, I haven't heard about Melchizedek since way back in Genesis 14. The Lord has sworn he will not change his mind. He will not repent. You, David, are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, just as marriage is a forever covenant with God, so is the Catholic priesthood. You are a priest Forever. It's a covenant with God. The Lord has sworn he will not repent, he will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, the Melchizedek from tonight, Genesis chapter 14. Priests always offer sacrifice, they offer their bodies as a living sacrifice, they forgo a family, they forgo uh, a wife. They offer their bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And all, um, all throughout the Bible, priests are always offering sacrifice on the altar. The new priesthood also offers a sacrifice on the altar it's an unbloodied sacrifice because it's already been completed by jesus christ it's a perfect sacrifice but listen to this because jesus has a dual nature he's fully human and he's fully divine because he has a dual nature His human nature really died, he really rose, but his divine nature can never die. Just like your soul can never die, his spiritual divine nature can never die, so he continually offers himself for humanity He's infinite in His divinity. So outside of time and space, He's infinite with no beginning, no end. So this sacrifice is just continuum. It's always there for us, for all time, for all people, for all sin. He is the Lamb of God, the final blood sacrifice needed to fully satisfy, to fully appease the father. Uh, I like these altars because they have a lamb at the bottom. Jesus, the lamb of God. He's the lion of Judah and the lamb of God. Now, Abraham will not have to kill his son on the mountain that day, the same mountain, Mount Moriah. God said, I will provide the lamb and God's lamb will be his only son. He gives Abram, and his son, a ram caught in the thicket. He supplied a blood sacrifice that day instead of Isaac. And the and Abraham says, Jehovah Jireh, meaning the Lord God will provide. So when John the Baptist sees Jesus walking immediately because he's full of the Holy Spirit from birth, From his mother's womb, conception on, he immediately says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He knows Jesus is that Lamb, that final blood sacrifice, the Lamb of God that we've been waiting for, the Messiah, the final blood sacrifice that God will fully accept and all humanity's atonement for sin for all all time will take place with that blood for those who believe and repent, which those two things aren't always easy to believe and repent. John has a vision. He sees a lamb looking as if it's been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures. The lamb had seven horns, seven eyes, which are seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. The lamb was still standing. It's the risen Jesus Christ, the lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus is the final high priest, his acceptable blood sacrifice for all time, for all humanity. He is the priest who offers his own blood. Now there's one problem. Moses had established that priests would have to come through the tribe of Levi. And Jesus and David were not from Levi. They're both from Judah. So, this priesthood that runs through most of the Old Testament is a Levitical priesthood. So, we need to discuss that one a little more. Levi is the third son of Jacob by his first wife, Leah. And the Old Testament, they knew Levitical priests. Moses had introduced this from the Lord. Moses. Uh, and his parents were all from the tribe of Levi a man from the house of Levi went and took a wife a daughter of Levi these are Moses's parents and Pharaoh orders death to all Hebrew males they're they're reproducing prolifically and he needs to stop it and so his mother hides him out for three months when she can no longer hide him she makes a basket of bulrushes she daubs it with bitumen and pitch puts the child in it and floats him down the bank of the nile river while miriam the sister's standing to see what happens little moshe is sent down the nile river and found by pharaoh's daughter you know the story he kills a man. Moses murders an Egyptian and flees. When he comes back after seeing that burning bush years later, he and his brother Aaron from the house of Levi are made the first priests. Moses tells the Lord, I can't speak. I, I stutter. I, 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 and the Lord says, Your brother Aaron will be the high priest. And so this is where we hear the Aaronic priesthood. Aaron. He is a Levite, so it's a Levitical priesthood. Aaron is the first high priest, and his sons after him will serve as Levitical priests. Now, Aaron has the same problem that Adam had, that Noah had. He's passive. He accepts what happens without response. When Moses is gone on Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights, and the Lord is trying to call Israel unto himself as his bride, you see what I did, how I rescued you from the Egypts. I bore you on eagles' wings. I brought you unto myself. If you listen to me, if, if you listen and keep my commandments and you're going to be my special people out of all the nations, you will become to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And Moses the Levi is up on the mountain. He's the Levite up on the mountain, getting the law from God. And the people see that he's delayed and he's not coming back and he's nowhere in sight and he must have been killed or forgot about it. So let's, let's, let's make our own God. And so, Aaron, they come to Aaron and they and they give him their gold and rings and bangles and jewelries and, and and Aaron takes the rings of gold and everything that was brought to him. and Aaron himself, the high priest of Israel, crafts and fashions the golden calf. Do you remember that? the high priest of Israel. It hasn't even been 40 days and he's crafted for the people a golden calf. These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. Aaron saw this and he built an altar before it and Aaron made a proclamation saying, tomorrow will be a feast to the Lord. They got up early. They did burnt offerings, peace offerings. They sat down to eat and to drink and they rose up to play and play they did because that's revelry and that's orgy and... and, and drinking and dancing and 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 they had a lot of fun that night so much so that it was heard on top of mount sinai by the lord god and the lord said to moses go down to your people who you brought up out of the land of egypt doesn't that sound like adam when adam said the wife that you made me it's it now adam taught the lord something you know how to talk back and anyway um They make this golden calf. They worship it. They sacrifice to it. And the Lord is so upset. I've seen this stiff necked people. My wrath is burning hot. I'm going to consume them. Moses, how about you and I just go on and forge a new nation on our own? We'll forget this people. But Moses, no, he is the intercessor. He is the priest, the Levitical priest that says, oh, Lord God, why does thy wrath burn hot against thy people whom thou has brought forth out of the land of Egypt with your great power and your mighty hand? You remember Abraham, our father? and Isaac and Jacob, Israel and thy servants. Remember what you promised them? You told Abraham that you would multiply his descendants as numerous as the stars and and that you gave them this land and descendants and, and they would inherit it forever. So the Lord himself repented of the evil which he thought to do to his people. Moses changed his mind by his priestly intercession. He mediated for the people. That's what a priest does. He saw as he came down, the calf, the dancing, and Moses' own anger was burning hot. He threw the tablets down. He broke them at the foot of the mountain. He ground them up into powder. He scattered it on the water and made the people drink it. He said to Aaron, What did this people do that you brought such a great sin upon them? And Aaron, passive Aaron, says, I don't know. I just, I, I just put all this gold in this thing and then oh, oh, out came a calf. Remember? <laughs> so... At that point, Moses saw the people had broken loose, for Aaron had let them break loose of their shame among their enemies. And Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. And Moses said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Put every man his sword on his side and go to and fro the gate throughout the camp. Slay every man, his brother, every man, his companion, every man his neighbor. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of the Lord, and there fell of the people that day about three thousand men of their own. They killed three thousand men that went against the Lord. And what did Moses say? Today you have ordained yourselves for the service of the Lord. That is the day the Levitical priesthood was ordained by the Lord. Now the Levites will be the priests, and they've killed 3,000 of their own who are against the Lord. Flashback now to last week in Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel, they're building a Shem, a name unto themselves. God has confused their one language, separated all humanity, totally reversed at the first Pentecost. Remember when All the languages were restored to understanding God united humanity by the power of the risen Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit and made a church. It's the birthday of the church and a new priesthood comes forward filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a new covenant, a new priesthood full of the Spirit to remember, to give thanks, to give praise at the altar for the once for all fully accepted final sacrifice United as one in a brand new covenant with a brand new understanding and a new covenantal language that they can all understand, and it starts a new evangelization, and they went forward with dynamite power, the book of Acts says. It was dynamite, and 3,000 that day, this new priesthood gave life to 3,000 people were baptized that day. Do you remember that? So when this new priesthood was ordained, 3,000 are brought to life in Christ versus the Levitical priesthood where 3,000 were killed. How many Levites? were destroyed. That day, 3,000. How many Melchizedekian priests spare? How many new lives? 3,000 were baptized. So as Babel, the language was divided. Fallen humanity is scattered. At Pentecost, the language is united. Fallen humanity is united. They're baptized into Christ and they're saved. It's a new priesthood. They're anointed. They're ordained. They're called to go out. Jesus had instructed them for three and a half years when he was with them, the 12. And for 40 days after the resurrection to the ascension, he also instructed them. You can imagine their conversations. But he told them, you're going to be witnesses of these things. Behold, I'm sending the promise of my father upon you. You've got to stay in the city till you're clothed with power from on high because they're going to need the Holy Spirit. Now let's go back to David who follows right behind Moses. David has a kingdom. He's assured in Psalm 110 that he's going to be a priest and a king. And he's going to be a priest in the order of Melchizedek. So the Lord's telling King David that he will also be a forever priest in the order of Melchizedek. He's gonna be a king and a priest. And the people aren't gonna understand this because the priests are supposed to be Levitical, right? David gained again all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000 men, and David's going to bring the Ark of the Covenant into the city, the holy city of Jerusalem, which we know who was the king of Salem? Melchizedek. Jerusalem is Salem, and now King David is coming in with the Ark of the Covenant. They've built a new ark. They're, they're parading into the city with 30,000 men rejoicing, singing, dancing. This is quite a parade. They've got a new cart. Uh, they got the, the Ark of the Covenant carefully on it. King David is bringing in the true presence of the Lord into the capital city, the city of peace, the city of David called Jerusalem. It means city of peace. It's what Melchizedek was king of back in the day. Remember when Uzzah reaches out to just steady the ark and he's struck dead immediately because you do not touch the ark? remember that? And God smote him there because he touched the ark and he died beside it. And David was very upset. David was angry and he was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? And he he just needed a break. And he said, we're going to just camp here. We're going to stay here. And they remained there at the house of Obed-Edom for how long? Three months. And who else came to those same foothills outside of Jerusalem and stayed for three months with a new covenant, and her cousin, who was full of the Holy Spirit and had a baby who was full of the Holy Spirit, who leapt in front of the Ark of the New Covenant. And Elizabeth said, how is it that my Lord could come to me? And how long did Mary stay in that exact spot? Three months. So David went. He brought the Ark of God from the house of obed to the city of David, rejoicing. And those who bore the Ark of the Lord had gone six paces, and he, King David, sacrificed an ox and a fatling. Now, do kings make sacrifices in the Bible? No, that's for the priests to do. And David, the king of Israel, is making the sacrifice. He's cutting up the animal and getting his hands dirty with blood. The king is also acting as a priest. That's something to to watch. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and he was girded in a linen ephod. Who wears a linen ephod? Not a king priest does. Jesus had on a linen ephod in his passion. He stripped down at the last supper and just put a towel around him, remember? And then the guards uh, cast lots for his ephod because it was woven in one piece and they didn't want to tear it. And so that fulfilled Psalm 22, that for my garment they will cast lots. Jesus was a priest and Jesus was a king. Pilate says, are you the king? of the Jews to Jesus, and Jesus says, my kingdom's not of this world. Well, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish authorities. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. So you are a king, says Pilate. You say that I am. And Pilate had it written on the cross in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek king of the Jews. So Jesus is a king, Jesus is a priest, Jesus's blood sacrifice is the only sacrifice that will be acceptable to the Father for all humanity for all time. He's tired of goats and lambs and rams and cows. He, this is the only blood that's going to do it. Jesus is a forever new covenant high priest, the victim and the priest, the blood and the priest that offers the blood, and it's in the order of Melchizedek. David 2 was a priest. David too was a king. David danced before the Lord in his linen ephod. Uh, and he brought the ark of the Lord with shouting and the sound of the horn. He is overcome with praise before the true presence of God in the ark. He's singing and dancing. This is not kingly behavior. He has stripped down to an ephod and, he, and he's basically making a fool of himself for the Lord. Uh, he's dancing unabashedly before the Lord. This is another artist's representation of it. Stripping down to an ephod and just dancing unabashedly before the Lord. And Mikhail his first wife, it's Saul's daughter. She looked through a window and she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. David returned to bless his household. That's a priestly duty to bless the household. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, his wife, came out to meet David and she said, Oh, how glorious was the king of Israel today who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. Mikael was disgusted with King David's very unkingly behavior. David said to Mikael, it was before the Lord which chose me before the father and before all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will play before the Lord and yet I will be more vile than this and i will base in mine own sight and of the maidservants which thou hast spoken of of them shall i be had in honor basically he's saying to her you ain't seen nothing yet (laughs) because I will praise the Lord, lady. I will dance before the Lord. I will praise my God. David and the house of Israel were making merry before the Lord with all their might, with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. The Lord God sealed her womb because she was trying to diminish David praising the Lord and being a priest, as well as the king of Israel. Now, neither King David nor King Jesus are in the priestly Levitical line. They come from the line of Judah, Jacob's fourth son, through Tamar, which we'll study, but uh, King David and Yeshua, Jesus, are both from the Lion of Judah. That is not Levi. Jesus is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Lion of Judah, and the Lamb of God. All those titles fit him. He has a universal kingdom. It starts right here on earth through the universal Catholic Church and it never, ever, 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 ever ends. Just as Gabriel told Mary, it would be a forever kingdom. That was part one of the book of Genesis, chapters 12 through 14 on Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. To learn more about Seeking Truth Bible studies, visit seekingtruth.net. Tune in next time for more Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran.